Welcome everyone to Wii Universe. This is the podcast where we are playing every single Wii U game in a random order. And uh, oh boy, we have uh, a couple of games for you today. Uh, as opposed, <laughs> we to gotta usual. go fast. Yeah, we gotta go fast. I have a meeting coming up in like an hour and a half, so we kind of gotta go fast. But you know, I mean, that should be fine. I would be, I would be surprised if the two Sonic the Hedgehog games um, turned out to be the time that we talked the longest out of any any. Games. That would be pretty surprising. Yeah, there would be need to be a lot of tangents and uh, a lot of very strong opinions about Sonic. And I'm, I gotta be honest with you, I can't really muster a lot of strong opinions about Sonic. Uh, I don't I don't know what your uh, relationship with the character is, but we'll dig into that in a little bit. I'm Steve Guntley. Hi, I'm Woody Siskowski. The two games that we're talking about today are Sonic Lost World and Sonic Boom Rise of Lyric. Uh, I did not realize going into this episode that one of these games is kind of notorious. Uh, is the, the lowest rated game in the entire series and is kind of considered... Uh, a big embarrassment for a lot of Sonic fans. So I didn't have that baggage going into this episode. Uh, but... No, nor did I. And um, sometimes before we actually start recording, I'll just be like, all right, I got my computer all set up. I'm ready, waiting for Steve to call. I'll just like check the Wikipedia pages for these games. Yeah. And yeah, it caught me by surprise. Yeah. Because yeah, I, I, spoiler alert, I kind of like that game. I, I feel like, I mean, I wouldn't say I liked it. I would say I have played worse Sonic games. Um, sure. But, you know, that's that's uh, I guess it's something we can discuss as we get into it. Uh, before we get started with this uh, discussion of the great blue blur, what else are you playing right now? <laughs> well, um, it hasn't been too. It's only been a couple days since we recorded our last podcast just due to the way time and scheduling works. Mm -hmm. um, so I haven't linear found, time. <laughs> yeah, haven't found anything um, new to sink my teeth into. I'm excited to actually revisit some of the uh, games that we talked about last week um just in the various forms yeah but um i did kind of in the effort to you know use up some time even though you do have a meeting later there i had a question that i had been uh i had been thinking about that uh i thought maybe might be relevant to our conversation here on the podcast Please. so i, I want to hear your opinion what at what point? OK, so a little context here. Um, I think that you and I being sort of consumers of media and wanting to understand like this, like the formation of a media or of media and how, you, you know, try to get in touch with the canon yeah, of something. Sure. Um, you know, you'll you'll like check gr list of greatest movies or something. And um try to watch those so kind of one like of the nice, places yeah 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 exactly one of the nice things about being our age and growing up with video games is there was a sense that you could basically play all the quote-unquote great games sure like it was new it was new enough and you're sort of we're coming along at the same time that you're like yeah I can play these Final Fantasy games. I can go back and, like, check out King's Quest or something like that, or the main Mario games. Yeah. Like, it felt somewhat manageable um, compared to, like, trying to watch all the quote-unquote great movies because it's – or, you know, listen to foundational music because you realize that every road you go down just, like, opens up to a new road that, like, has way more than you could have conceived of. Right. Um, so my question is at what, in what year or what time did you lose the ability to play all the great video games? That's an like, interesting question because, you know, it's the, the definition is 
changing all the time you know like every it used to be there was like a hundred greatest games list let egm or ign would publish and you could just like sort through that you know to the best of your ability to get them to access them i would say like there were all there have always been some that have been a little bit out of my grasp uh you know i'm i'm i guess what... i'm lost on a lot of like big mmos like world of warcraft i feel like that's oh, kind sure. of gotten beyond me at this point uh, uh I, I i guess what i'm asking too specifically is like just in terms of pure quantity because even if like the mmos weren't able to sort of click with you i to me like there was still a sense of like all right there's enough time to try this game yeah now i feel like if you really wanted to explore all the avenues you just wouldn't have time to play all the great games at some point like um the the release schedules just became too frequent and there became too many of them to keep up it's, and I was just it's more like I, I wouldn't even say necessarily it's a change in the industry. It's more a change in me in that mm. as I get older, my interests get a little bit more diverse. My time gets a little bit more segmented, you know, and I just can't always, you know, sit down and play a game for eight hours in a row without going crazy. You know, so I used to be able to do that <laughs> yeah. and I would be much more uh, diligent about staying on top of all of these great games. I think it was my goal at one point to play through every single one of EGM's 100 greatest games. And there was the list from like 2002 or 2003 or something like that. Sure. Uh, and I made a pretty decent dent in it, but there's still some that I never have touched and don't really want to. I mean, I do feel like if you were pursuing that in 2002 or 2003, like it is, it would be an achievable goal. Yeah. Um, Although that back then, I don't it was know. I, all, it had to be all physical media. I think it's even easier now yeah. because like most of these things can be streamed or found in some kind of compilation or it, uh, games are just so much more accessible now than they used to be. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know if I'm answering your question to a satisfactory degree, but I do feel like, yeah, well, there, no, there is a point because like, I, I, you know, you would say like on a yearly basis, we get a great game, right? We get a game that's like in the canon at least once a year we get like, you know, if we're lucky, we get two or three in a year. And uh, it's, yeah. it's a little tough to stay on top of it while still playing all the other games that are like underrated or should be like considered classics, but weren't appreciated in their time or things like that. I, yeah, I guess to me, I feel like it was like when downloadable games sort of became um, became an option and sort of hit the hit the mainstream with indie games and things like that in terms of like maybe around like 2008 through 2010. Sure. Um, it was just like, all right, when there was sort of major games that got released and you could kind of anticipate where the masterpieces were going to show up and it only happened. Um, yeah, it, but now like games will sort of sneak in something like Undertale or Hollow Knight will just kind of come in and you're like, oh, that's now there's a couple new games that have slid under the radar that are necessary to play. Yeah, and it's it's hard to keep up with exactly like which ones are the great canonical games anymore, you know, and they, they're they yeah. just coming out at a, a decent clip, which is a good environment to be in. I feel like we get a lot more quality games than trash uh, anymore. You know, uh, these, these some of the games that we're talking about on this show, notwithstanding. But, you know, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I think it's an interesting point because I, I feel like there was probably a point in early, like, cinema as well where you're just like, oh, man, okay, now there's just too many. I lost track, you know. And I, I, I think it, it being, like, a good 30 years, 40 years into the video game, history that uh, uh we've now like officially 
kind of lost track. But I do think it is still yeah. possible to play all these if you really just devote yourself. But you also have okay. to be prepared that like some of these Final Fantasy games are going to take you like 80, 90 hours, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, that's an interesting question. So thank you for bringing that up. Uh, I did manage to squeeze in one very, very short game since we last recorded. Uh, it's a game called Turnip Boy Commits Tax Evasion. Uh, sometimes I will buy a game <laughs> just because there is a catchy title, and that is a pretty <laughs> funny one. Uh, and it, yeah. it is pretty much what it sounds like. You are a little uh, anthropomorphic turnip, and you're living in this world full of uh, anthropomorphic other vegetables. And you're just going around doing uh, uh, errands for what turns out to be the vegetable mafia. Uh, and <laughs> your character's really, his only defining characteristic, and this is the bit that I found really funny, it isn't that he hates paying taxes. He loves not paying taxes. It, it makes him deeply okay. happy to see a bill and tear it up. And then he's just got a big smile okay. on his face, and he's just so happy. He's not doing it to be a dick. He's just doing it because nothing in this world makes him happier than committing tax evasion. And I think that's a pretty funny idea. So what, what, what do you actually like? How does this game actually play? It plays kind of like a, it's like a Zelda. It's like a uh, it's okay. like a top down Zelda thing. But you're basically just going around uh, uh, completing errands for everybody in the village. You know, like somebody will need uh, uh, some hair dye so he can give you a new haircut or somebody needs a, a sandwich. So you got to go run and get a sandwich. It's all very menial tasks. The, the four big tasks that you need to do are all being uh, done for Mayor Onion, who uh, has a lien on your greenhouse, and he's not going to let you have your house back uh, until you complete all these tasks. The whole thing, I think I 100%ed the game in about two hours, uh, so it is very, very okay. short, very insubstantial, but it's deeply silly. It has a lot of charm, and uh, I enjoyed my little brief time with it, even if it feels more like a demo than a full game. Uh, but yeah. No, I mean, it's, it's great that those kind of games exists like the super short w weird indie games that don't you know they come up with an idea and there's no they have no need to be longer than they exactly need to be. it feels very much like a game that uh, started with a title and then they're like okay see what you can make out of this ridiculous title and they did they ran with it and it was pretty charming and fun uh so i think i picked it up for like 10 bucks on the switch store uh which is still probably a little bit too much for how little game there actually is here but it has a great little like uh, uh, theme song in the end credits that kind of makes it worthwhile. Steve, have you ever played the game Minute? M I N I T. I have, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, that that strikes me as sort of a similar vibe of the, you know, yeah, yeah. top down Zelda, very short. Um, and that game's quite. Yeah, good I would well. say that's pretty similar. Yeah, yeah. I also uh, started picking at uh, Ori and the Blind Forest. Uh, which oh, that's a game I've always been curious about. I have been too, and it's been sitting on my Switch for a little bit, and I haven't gotten to it. And it is one of the most gorgeous looking games you will ever see in your life. It is absolute. I mean, the art style is just devastatingly beautiful, and I just love looking at it. It is a game that makes me feel incredibly old because I'm actually having trouble playing it on the Switch when it's not docked because the character is so small that I'm having mm. trouble actually seeing the game. Uh, yeah, and, that doesn't surprise me. And I don't honestly, I don't think that is on you. I think that that's a thread I've noticed in some in some games is just like they are 
they're like, we have this huge, lush visual environment. We don't want our character getting in the way. Yeah. We want to create a sense of like scope. And it's like, well, wait a second. I need to be able to see my character here. Totally. And it, it was it's a bit of a bummer because like there's so much that I want to be looking at in this game. And a lot of it so far is taking place in kind of dark caverns. And it's a pretty hard game. It's a Metroidvania style game where you're exploring these caves and gaining new powers and uh, very well crafted. But it's pretty hard. And uh, a lot I keep dying a lot just because I keep losing sight of my little guy so yeah that feels bad but uh you know i think this is a game uh, one of the rare switch games i'm going to play docked and uh on the big screen because i think that'll mm. uh, really benefit from it but uh, that's what i'm messing with right now we'll see if i stick with it but uh nice well, let's move on to our games today. Uh, you know, we've talked about Sonic a couple times uh, in the terms of like Sonic and Sega All-Stars Racing or Mario and Sonic at the Olympic Games. But in both of those, he's a supporting character. You know, it's not really a Sonic game. And these are the first time we're going to be get digging into the Sonic series at large. Um, and even though like I, I would say one of these feels more like a spinoff than a proper Sonic game in the terms that we know it. But that still sure. gives us a good cross-section to talk about because I think Sonic exists in these two parallels. There's either the main series games and then there's the spin-off games where they try to get really experimental with them. And that's where they tend to falter. And then like... I, I think... Oh, good. I think it's also worth just... Since this is sort of the first opportunity that we have to talk about like Sonic games, to differentiate like... I think that Sonic games are in a rough spot because he has such a heavy legacy. Yeah. Um, and I think that we as people who were around during that legacy tend to be harder on these games. Perhaps. You know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas we're not necessarily the target audience. I think that's the thing that is that I kind of realized playing these games. It's like, all right, Mario games um, have a legacy and due to like the fact that they don't talk very much um, are sort of aimed at all ages. Right. But it was clear that Sega was like, all right, Sonic has always been aimed at kids. We're not going to try and change it to sort of grow up with uh, with the people who grew up with Sonic. Yeah. And they kind of just settled in. We are going to keep targeting, you know, nine-year-old boys um, for the entirety of Sonic's life. Exactly, and yeah. I, I think that it's just important to consider that. No, it is. It's true. And, I mean, I, I would even argue that early on in Sonic's lifestyle, like life cycle, he was he was the more mature character. He was, like, the cooler character that the older kids right. would want to play. You know, because Sonic or Mario at this point was like, oh, okay, that's on the NES. That's for babies. All right. But this Sega Genesis over here, I don't know if you realize this has blast processing. Okay. <laughs> that's not something sure. they just slap on there. That's not something that's just meaningless. Okay. He processes blasts. I mean, who else can do that? Uh, Sonic Blast Man can do oh, that. Oh, that's true. Damn. I forgot about Sonic Blast Man. Uh, but yeah, he, he was kind of seen as the slightly edgier alternative, even though his games have always been pretty candy coated and like lighthearted fare. Uh, but it, it was just kind of uh, uh, an offshoot of the technology. And now I would right. say much more than Mario, Sonic belongs to the Internet. Sonic is uh, <laughs> very much a creature of of memes and and uh, online discussions and disturbing fan art where he gets pregnant by Shrek and and a whole bunch just, of other stuff. Well, just general fandom in the sense that, like, even though 
Mario games sell better and are better critically acclaimed, like, I don't really think of people as being, like, a fanboy of Mario the character. Right. It's kind of like saying, I like books you know it's like of course if you like Mar- if you like video games you like mario you know like and and as popular as mario is and as high qualities as games always are he's still a bit of a cipher we don't really know anything yep. about his personality whereas sonic is all personality you know and he's and i think i've met i mean met sonic? i think i met three or four people in my life who are like yes i am all about sonic he is my like go-to character i'm gonna you know cosplay for him as him i'm going to collect merch um and and you just don't see and like it's not something i've sought out i haven't like been like put a craigslist ad like are you really into sonic contact me for modeling purposes (laughs) um but it's just kind of come up and i'm like oh it's that that's sort of my strong sonic take which isn't even that strong is a sense of like a very strong sense of bewilderment yeah of like why are people still into this? <laughs> well, and whereas with Nintendo is always so, so protective about its properties and Mario in particular, but Sega has a much more laissez-faire kind of attitude with Sonic. They're willing to experiment. They're willing to try new and weird things with this character. They're willing to loan him out to like be in a, con- a lot of weird stuff. And a lot of his games fail. Like they fail, they fall right on their faces, you know? And so the the output of this character has been much more inconsistent over but the like years. that's another thing that I think is important to consider for the legacy in terms of like when Sonic, though, actually, you could argue, you know, with the movies, Sonic is essentially at its peak popularity right Those now. Those movies are insanely um, popular. Yeah. yeah. Um, but like, you know, when he was sort of viewed as like a major competitor to um, Mario and like the mascot for Sega um like when Sega was a big player, it's like every Sonic game sort of carried with it weight yeah. of like, all right, this has got to be like a system seller. This is a big deal. Um, and then once Sega is sort of out of that market, I do feel like they have more of the freedom to be loose with Sonic because right. they're not like the, the Nintendo brand is just more important than the Sega brand. And Sonic because, doesn't like, need to move consoles anymore. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, yeah, no, and you're absolutely right. It was such an event, and we've talked about, like, the console wars and everything back in the 90s and how Sega was actually able to surpass Nintendo in console sales, like, in the mid-90s for a couple of years, and so much of that was based on the strength of Sonic. You know, when Sonic 3 came out, like, they had a tie-in with Michael Jackson, who had composed all the music for that game uh and then of course the scandal about him came out and so they had to distance themselves there was a michael jackson scandal uh, there were uh, one or two one or two. Oh yeah, my gosh I'm sorry to be the one to tell you about this don't google it it'll just make you okay. sad. Uh, all right but, no but yeah i mean he was like this huge deal and uh i i'm not sure exactly when those fortunes kind of shifted it was probably after the demise of the dreamcast because i think sonic adventure was still kind of a high profile release you know i think that game's pretty disappointing, but I, it's still one of the most thrilling video game experiences of my life was playing that Sonic Adventure demo with that opening level with the Orca, you know? Like, uh, yeah. I had that demo disc that came packaged with my Dreamcast, and I was just like, holy fuck, the future is here. Like, this is unbelievable. And that's still a game, I think, that looks really good. Um, yeah, totally. And, I mean, I do think that a lot of it, you know, when we start talking about these games, like, I think that Sonic, like as a video game character 
just like his set of moves is not very versatile. No. Like it's just really hard to figure out a way to evolve Sonic. Like I'm sure Sonic team is very sick of just like getting dumped on critically seemingly every time they try try something. Yeah. Um but like I don't I don't know how I would make a Sonic game cuz like literally his power set is like he runs fast and he curls into a ball and how do you make like a fully featured big 3d adventure where that's what you can do and that's the problem that sega keeps running into too because every time they try to mix things up a little bit it usually goes poorly you get something like uh, sonic unleashed or or the sonic 2006 game where he falls in love with a human princess you know <laughs> and their response is always all right let's bring it back to its roots let's just have it be like either 3D or 2D, and he just runs fast and collects rings, and that's it. You know, So every couple of years, they'll just reboot it back to that, and everybody will be like, okay, it's back to form. You know, Sonic is back. Uh, and then they'll try something else again that doesn't work, and then it's, nope, back to form. So I, I think that's what they keep kind of running into. Um, yeah, so should should we, I mean, should we get into it? Let's or get into it, the, starting the with game? Sonic Cause... Lost World, yeah. which was released October 18th, 2013, developed by Sonic Team, published by Sega, and it was also released on Windows and for 3DS. This is definitely a Sonic of, like you, just to follow the thread you were just saying, yeah. this feels like one where they're getting back into, they're going back to basics. They're getting I don't back know to what, basics, for sure. I don't know what Sonic game came out before this that scared them off, but uh, this feels very much about the simplest, most basic Sonic game you could put out in 2013. Exactly. And this is this is kind of in the middle of a, of a run of Sonic games that found like a lot of critical acclaim because they were just sort of going back to basics. Uh, starting in 2010, we had Sonic the Hedgehog 4, Episode 1. Uh, then we got Sonic Colors, Sonic Generations, and probably the best game of the series in the last 20 years, in my opinion, Sonic Mania which is a fully 2D, like, kind of throwback game, which is a lot of fun. I mean, but that game, I don't know. Like, for what it's worth, like, that game feels like it's kind of cheating. Mm -hmm. Like, I like that game. I think it's cool because it looks like the Sega Genesis game. But that's just what they did. Um, they just made a Sega Genesis game. Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. Uh, so Lost World is actually a direct sequel to Sonic Colors, which was uh, very critically acclaimed when it came out. And it follows up a lot on that game's basic mechanics and characters. The guiding principle of that, like I said, was back to basics, meaning we're focusing on Sonic, not any of the tertiary characters or supporting characters or anything like that. I mean, that. Tails is in, in there a little Tails bit. Tails is in there a little bit. but It's uh, that iconic image of Sonic riding on Tails, standing on Tails' bike. Oh, yes, exactly. Yeah, that's about all you see of him, though. Uh, and uh, this is just focusing on speed rather than his weird uh, other movesets. So this game shifts between 3D and 2D perspectives, which gives you kind of, and g it gave you a suite of like color powers from these creatures called Wisps that would temporarily supercharge Sonic's abilities, and all of that comes back for this one. I mean, also to be clear, like the 3D structure of this game is, I wouldn't say it's like super open 3D. No. It reminded, this game very much felt like. What if Sonic was in Super Mario 3D World? Exactly right. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. Because, all right, so in this game, Sonic and Tails find a magical planet in the sky called Hex World, which is just a world made up of a bunch of hexagons. So similarly <laughs> to Mario 3D World, everything looks very segmented. It's, you know? it's the world where Settlers of Catan and Carcassonne live. Exactly. There's a bunch of roads world. made out of, like, sheep and two bricks, you know? Like, yeah, yeah. very, very <laughs> important uh, infrastructure. 
Yeah, so it's just a very basic-looking world that can all kind of slot together using a basic development tool. I think that's kind of the guiding principle. It looks nice, and it's it's clean and it's simple, you know. So I think yeah, it, I really I I really liked the way this game looked. Like I just found it very pleasant in the way that like a Mario game is very pleasant to look at. Like the greens are very lush and it's always very bright and colorful. Yeah. I thought the cutscenes um, were well animated and well voiced. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, it looks good. It's a good looking game. Yeah. And, uh, but you know, it, it is kind of that following a very, very basic, uh, a Sonic template, which is like, even though you, like you said, even though you are in a 3d environment in some of these worlds, you're not really because a lot of the action is keeping you on a very tight rail. And sometimes that's literal. Sometimes the path that you're running on is about as wide as your body and there's no <laughs> option to like move off it in either way. And so you're just like waiting for the, uh, the boost to wear off, you know, but like you just keep going, going, going. Yeah. I think in Sonic the Hedgehog two, um, they had those uh, sort of mini games or like bonus games where if you had 50 rings and like hit a, sa- a checkpoint, you could jump in the stars and you would be like running through a half pipe mm-hmm. um, and trying to, you know, collect rings in this half pipe. This is basically like what if that half pipe were the whole game? Kind of. Yeah, uh-huh. no, it really is. It is that simple. You know, like uh, there's a lot of tubes that you're running through in this section. And and like this is a I don't know, this game, I liked the how it sort of just starts right off and um, has that pleasant overworld map similar to you know like a mario land um but is really the more the more it reminded me of mario the sort of more i realized how little sonic has going for him yeah like it's just like when you play super mario 3d world um or shoot 3d land whichever one's on the wii u um there's always a sense of surprise on the different levels. Um, everyone, all the levels have their own weird gimmick. There feels like there's lots of secrets to uncover. And like this game feels competent, but it just feels boring. There's nothing I'm excited to see in the next level. I was kind of at the same place. Like when it shifts to 2D, it's like, okay, yeah, this is the, the old school Sonic uh, uh, dopamine, like, you know, giving me the giving me all the feels, you know, I can appreciate mm-hmm. that. But we're also running into some issues because every once in a while, like we say, they try to evolve Sonic and usually it doesn't quite fit. In this, this is one of the few games where I found a wall jump to be really uh, uh, distracting and, and disruptive mm. to the process because Sonic will start climbing the wall like when you just run at it, you know? And so mm-hmm. sometimes you need to do quick like switchbacks or bounce back and forth and get to a certain section. And sometimes you don't want to climb on the walls and it will slow you down. Like in this uh, early section where you're racing a boss to get to the end. I kept losing here because Sonic kept climbing a wall without me wanting him to, or he would start climbing the wrong wall, you know? So Sonic always struggles a bit when he slows down, you know, Uh, when he's, when he's just like going at full speed, it's always super impressive and fun. But when he slows down to kind of take stock of things, it, uh, it gets a little messy, you know, and this game introduces uh, a bunch of new bad guys. So uh, the plot is that, Robotnik has struck a deal with this group of demon-looking characters called the the Deadly Six, and this deal goes awry, and now you have to fight all six members of this team. And these are some pretty uninspired boss battles. Um, yeah, the first one is just like a guy runs back and forth, 
that's really all he does. <laughs> he runs back and forth. And the game doesn't really explain the me- different mechanics all that well. So I was a little confused because your kick attack will not do anything to this guy. But yeah. you need to wait until he's underneath you and then do a bounce attack. I, I find that Sonic games are kind of weirdly hard to control in the sense that, like, all of Sonic's moves are kind of the same. Like, every button does kind of the same thing. Right. But, like, it's a different. Like, you can't just jump on an enemy in this game. You have to, like, hop on them using the homing attack, which is a different button, even though it just looks like Sonic is making a spin jump in both cases. Yeah. And so like one t- one of the buttons is jump and then double jump and the other button is like jump and then spin attack and then the other button is jump and then bounce attack. And so I found that kind of more complicated than it needed to be. I agree. Yeah, they always kind of try to mix it up a little bit too much, you know. And this game brings back the wisp abilities from Sonic Colors and I actually found them to be really distracting, like to the point where I didn't yeah. even use them because I I used it once yeah. and it's like you turned into like I don't know, some sort of living bomb or something. And it's like, all right, control using the Wii U gyroscope on the gamepad. And then I just turned it and fell into a pit. Exactly. Like, okay, well, yeah, that's who needs that. That's the problem. Like, you know, this this is like a Wii U exclusive uh, on consoles. And, uh, you know, they wanted to make use of the gamepad, which I appreciate. But I found the implementation was particularly distracting for this game that's focused all on speed. Uh, because, you know, uh, it, you get your tutorials on the gamepad. You'll get a little icon flashing on the main screen, and then you need to tap the button on your gamepad to open the tutorial. So I missed a few of these. I didn't realize that oh, was what I was see. happening. Was that was what the spinning color with the question mark on the screen was? Yes. Yes, it is. Okay, I didn't understand that at yeah, all. Yeah, exactly. They didn't really clarify that. Uh, and then the color abilities all take place on the gamepad as well. So you'll find one that'll, like... You need to line up your shot, and it'll turn you into a ball, and it'll send you really far. But, like, it requires stopping what you're doing, looking at the different game on your gamepad, and then controlling it that way. And usually, like you said, it just ends up with you going off a cliff. (laughs) So I didn't really get a lot of value out of that, and I found it was uh, easier to just kind of ignore it. But when you're getting that sense of speed, when you're, like, really... I I think this game starts super strong. Like, that first level is really eye-catchy, and uh, you're just... You're moving, and you're you're shaking, and it's just... uh, That's that's a lot more fun than when they try to mix it up. That's kind of the thread of every Sonic game, if I... You know, if I had to think about it, is, like, the first level of a Sonic game is, like, pretty iconic. Like, everyone knows your Green Hill Zones or that Sonic adventure where you... um, are with the, with the orca in the back it's like they always seem to put the most effort into the first level yeah and then they're just kind of like uh yeah we don't know what to do now Yeah, where are we going from here yeah yeah it's i i don't know like i feel my my take on sonic in general is that even those genesis games are not that great like i think that they're super cool like i remember the first time that i played sonic the hedgehog 2 and it's just like it's a mind-blowing game when you first see it because it's so fast and like the it's so colorful and the music is so good like especially in those first couple levels especially for the genesis yeah 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 and like just that sleek black controller like it was just sonic was just like a perfect marriage of like what te- what the technology was able to do at that time and the way the console looked and like something competing against Nintendo's brand. Yeah. Um and, and it's just it's a really satisfying thing in sort of 16-bit 
and it's just, but when you go back, you're just like, ah, oh, there's really not a whole lot here. Exactly. Um, I mean, Sonic was a big deal for me when I was a kid. You know, we mm -hmm. were a Genesis family. I played that original Sonic game a lot, and I would doodle him in the notebooks, and like I would draw little comic strips of Sonic. Like I, I loved this character. Uh, but yeah, it definitely, they're hard to go back to now. Like you can see the flaws that like you're probably willing to let go when, you know, you only have one game to play. I mean, they're just, they're usually very fun and up through like the casino night zone. Yeah. And you get yeah, to the yeah. casino level and you're like, oh, that was cool. And then you realize there's four more level, four more worlds in the game. And you're like, uh, I don't know if I have the, yeah <laughs> the drive to keep this going. Totally. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you on that one. Um, so Sonic Lost World, you know, not terrible, not terrible. It's a, it's a charming little throwback. I probably won't be spending much more time with it, though. I think, uh, I think and, I got I mean, what I need out of it. This was the realization when playing this that, like, oh, you know, this is a game for kids, and I don't mean that, you know, derasively, but it's like most of the dialogue is very rudimentary, and especially the, I know, they're the sinister sticks, the perilous. The Perilous Six. Deadly the, Six. The Deadly Six. Okay. Um, the electric Six. Their dialogue, yeah, they're just quite irritating. Their voices are, are grating. And I, I think that that maybe has been a secret of Mario's longevity is none of the games are very dialogue or cutscene heavy. No, no. Well, yeah, the, the most dialogue you get are in like uh, the Mario and Luigi RPGs. And that's like, you don't hear voices and it's all very charming and funny dialogue, you know? So that's, yeah, most of the time you're not going to be asked to listen to them a lot. And I feel like that's yeah. a real detriment for this next game we're going to talk about. Uh, that game is called... Sonic Boom, The Rise of Lyric. This was released November 11th, 2014, developed by Big Red Button and published by Sega, and it is a Wii U exclusive. Uh, so Big Red Button, I had to look them up. This is their one and only console game. Uh, they oh. were made up of former members of Naughty Dog and Heavy Iron. They were founded in 2007, and most of their projects have been focused on VR. So this is their one and only console, console game. The rest have all been for, like, Oculus, including games based on the Divergent series and the John Wick franchise. So I haven't okay. played any of their games, but, uh, you know, I like a good VR game. I don't know. They might be better yeah, at that. John Wick and VR seems like a good seems idea. Seems like a good fit. That'd be like a super hot style game, I think. Yeah, that'd be yeah. fun. All right, so uh, as as ubiquitous as the game series has been, uh, it's also uh, worth noting that Sonic has been a major force in cartoons for a long time as well. Sonic cartoons have been consistently on the air almost since the beginning of the franchise, and there have been several iterations with varying levels of success. I found most of these only lasted about one or two seasons, but they got heavy, heavy replay in uh, uh, reruns and syndication, so people are pretty familiar with these. Starting with Adventures of Sonic the Hedgehog in 1992, uh, and in that version, which ran only one season, Sonic was played by Urkel himself, Jaleel White, <laughs> who's still a fan-favorite iteration of the character, and he actually played Sonic for the next two series, which would be uh, Sonic the Hedgehog, that's probably the most popular version that people know, and then Sonic Underground, uh, which also lasted one season. Uh, he didn't step aside until the anime Sonic X that came out in 2003, and uh, that game, that series debuted alongside that weird uh, Kirby anime series that uh, got a, a limited release over here. I think there was also an F Zero series around the same time, so they were kind of trying to make anime versions of uh, uh, car video games. So Sonic Boom <laughs> is the most recent and to date last attempt to make a serialized show out of the character, and it's the first using CGI animation. 
So it featured redesigned builds of Sonic, Tails, Knuckles, and Amy, and it added a new character named Sticks the Badger. Uh, Knuckles looks weird in this. He looks weird. He's a eunuch. I don't like the way Knuckles looks. Like, I know he's always supposed to be, like, you know, a beefy a beefy boy but like his body is way too big for his head and it's kind of yeah he's got a long torso i don't really like it uh so the location has now changed from green hills to seaside village and the five friends just hang out and defend the village from robotnik's many inept attacks uh the show lasted for two seasons it got some pretty nice reviews but uh didn't really make too much of an impact other than uh a kerfuffle from irate internet nerds who really hated that Sonic had a new uh hipster scarf in his new design. So <laughs> they were really unhappy about that scarf. Um and I think okay. that turned off a lot of people from the TV show, which I didn't watch any of the TV show. I understand it's uh, decent and pleasant. So I mean, also just to be clear, like if you're unwilling to watch a TV show cuz a character has a scarf, um maybe rethink your priorities yeah yeah i think you might be uh uh missing the forest for the trees a little bit there yeah um and that was something i did appreciate about this game like i wondered why it was called sonic boom um and the fact that it's based on that cartoon makes sense um because this game really does seem to put an emphasis on characters and story in the forefront right uh like there's there's a lot of cutscenes here there's a lot of dialogue and sort of banter between the characters there's a lot of people making very obvious comments as you play through the game everyone seems to want to declare bounce pad whenever they you know jump on a bounce oh pad, my god which felt all right pretty unnecessary I, I have to say all right we've we've played we played a lot of games for little kids you know we played some monster high we played some barbie we played some elmo games you know I don't know if any of them had to explain themselves as often or as annoyingly as the characters do in this Fair. one. Like, I was kind of, there were so many instances where I would be like, oh, I'm in the room with nothing else but a big green button. And they immediately have to chime in, hey, I bet if we push that button, something will happen. Yeah. Like, or the, yeah, they always have to say, oh, there's a bounce pad. Oh, I love running on this. My favorite one was like, oh, there's a ramp. Let's use it as a ramp. That one made <laughs> me really laugh. Um, but yeah, there's yeah. a lot of over explaining. Um, but yeah, this game has the uh, the the ignoble uh, classification of the lowest rated Sonic game according to Metacritic. This is lower rated than the 2006 Sonic the Hedgehog game where he falls in love with a human woman. Uh, you know, and again, I, I'm harping on that as the key thing. But that game is like broken. That game is completely busted and hard to play uh, beyond the weird thematic stuff. Like it's just an unpleasant experience. Um, so this game, uh, was originally only going to be released in the U S it was released day and date with another 3ds game called uh, Sonic boom shattered crystal. And there was some cross platform functionality that you could use with the Wii U and the 3ds version. There's the, yeah, there's like, you can get to a point in this game where you level up using different abilities and like the level up that allows you to carry more rings when you try to select it, they're like, you can only unlock this if you connect to your 3DS. Right. Yeah, which is which annoying. Felt very weird because like this it caps you at 100 rings, which is very annoying cuz like it will keep giving you rings or you'll like unlock a hidden area where your reward is rings. Yeah. And you're like, "Uh, game, you're just wasting my time if you won't let me carry more of these rings." Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And and it's yeah, they they they're very limiting in that sense. So Stephen Frost, who was the uh, develop, or, uh, develop, director of production at Sega of America when this game came out, after this got some uh, scathing reviews and, and uh, really failed uh, to sell, he said that 
they listened to a focus group that said they were tired of Sonic going fast and they wanted him to slow okay. down and be able to explore a little bit, which people have criticized as like one of the biggest mistakes of this game. Uh, I don't know if that's necessarily my problem with this game. I think... No. Yeah. Honestly, like, I am really surprised that this game was so panned. Like, I don't think that this game is great by any means, but in the sort of hour, um, like, I spent with it, like, I felt the urge to keep playing. Like, to me, I felt like, all right, this could be like, I liked it more than Lost World okay. um, because that game I found just kind of boring. Like I knew what was coming up next. Um, oh, I, I want to go back real yeah. quick um, to Lost World and I apologize. But like um, I also messed around. There's some DLC courses in that game, oh, right? Um, which are interesting because some of them are based on uh, Nintendo franchises. Oh, yeah, that's right. There's like a Legend of Zelda level and a Yoshi's Island level. And it feels very weird and kind of wrong to have Sonic running around in a Link costume <laughs> while, uh, while Legend of Zelda music's playing. But it's that's a weird aside. Similar to Bayonetta. Um, Bayonetta did the same thing. Yeah, yeah. that's true. Um, but like Sonic Boom, like the actual mechanics run pretty competently. Like it does a really weird thing, story beat at the beginning of like, Sonic is getting, you know, dogpiled by robots and you're like, oh, I guess you're wondering how I'm here like a day earlier as if like that is somehow a unique predicament to, for Sonic to be Man, in. They, like, oh, you you see I'm fighting robots. Really, That's not what I do every day. They really drop that in. Like, I'm not opposed to the, like the in media res kind of story introduction, yeah. but they really drop us in. It's like two seconds long. We see him like I, I thought it was a glitch or something. And we were seeing like a later cutscene early by mistake. And then they cut to like, oh, wow, two days earlier or something like that. But they just drop you right into it with no yeah. uh, no buildup. And from like a gameplay perspective, I think that this game does a pretty clean job of switching between a couple different styles. Like it starts as kind of the uh, an endless runner thing where like obstacles are in front of you and you can jump or dodge them. Um, and then there's sort of a 3D exploration mechanic where you can switch between um, your different characters. They all have one, you know, one different ability. Um, it There's just, which felt to me like a very sort of early PS2 platformer or, you know, late N64 thing, which I always have a soft spot for. Um, and then there's occasionally like uh, pure side-scrolling things, which are very kind of puzzle-heavy. Yeah. There's like, um, hit this switch to raise or lower... Um, this elevator and then switch between characters to access this other area. And all of this was like very easy and somewhat uninspired, but to me, like it was well paced and it worked well. Yeah. I didn't really have a huge problem with any of the mechanics of it. Uh, I did have issue with a couple of things. Firstly, I think the camera is terrible. Uh, yeah, the camera is really bad. It's unresponsive and it's always either getting way too close or way too far and it like judders every time you move. So it's like kind of attached to you with a tether and also just like going off and doing its own thing. I found that really uh, disorienting a lot of the time and I just had trouble telling where I was going to go. Second yep. issue I had is that this game is annoying. There are very few games that <laughs> like uh, are going to tune me out just by sheer 
annoyingness and this That's is fair. one of them like i found all of the characters voices unpleasant i found their dialogue to be irritating i found the story to be grating i didn't like the art style i have no problem with sonic's scarf but i just think it's kind of a poorly animated game it looks like a it looks like an early show that they would run on like reboot or whatever that that cartoon network uh uh, uh pilot program was you know like it, it uh, I think it just looks kind of bad. There was a lot of pop-up. There was a lot of, like, characters disappearing and reappearing. Apparently, we are playing, like, if, if you played an updated version of this game, that patched a lot of the really bad glitches this game had yeah. at release, including one that made it possible for uh, Knuckles to jump infinitely. Uh, and so speedrunners kind of jumped on that one and uh, finished the game in, like, less than an hour because you can just jump <laughs> through the entire world just by continuing to rise. Uh, but I just sure. and the the repetitiveness of this game really, really started to wear on me. It's like early on. Yeah. Like you said, you have you have kind of more open world sections, which feel more like a Ratchet and Clank style thing. You know, they slow Sonic down, which is fine. Like, I understand we want to explore the world a little bit more. And then you go into these kind of 2D puzzle dungeons and an early one. Like it really wants you to know all of these characters skill sets. So it makes you do four of these puzzles in a row. You know, you get to switch between the four main characters, and they each have their own abilities. Like, Sonic has a spin dash, Tails can hover, uh, Amy can triple jump, and Knuckles can climb. You know, so all of these puzzles are built around that. But they are all incredibly rudimentary. It's all just like, uh, uh, climb up here and stomp on this button, and then open the gate, and then walk through that gate. Right. And so they make making you do that four times in a row was really irritating. And I played a little further into the game as well, and that repetition keeps happening. You know, like they'll put you in a puzzle dungeon, and it's like, okay, now beat this all as Knuckles. All right, now beat this all as Amy. And then, mm. uh, uh, and then we have the combat sections, which are just kind of nothing. They're they're basically yeah. Just beat I mean, they're up. they're they're basically like the Ben Ten game we played without quite the level of complexity um you can't switch between alien forms so you really are just running around and pressing uh pressing y to punch things and that's about you have uh uh, the new mechanic here is called your inner beam which is basically just like a laser lasso and uh uh, that's oh that was kind of that's a little fun you can you could like grab dudes swing them around over your head and throw them into other things but it's not it doesn't have that excuse me it doesn't have that fun mechanic of like you lasso them and then you spin them around and you could hit them while they're spinning or anything like that. You have to, you can sure. throw them at another person, but the damage it does is inconsistent. Uh, and mostly these are just, there's no level of challenge to these fights. Uh, so they get pretty repetitive, pretty fast. Uh, you know, I agree that this, this is not the worst Sonic game. Um, I think there are definitely worse ones out there. I think that 2006 one is worse. I think Sonic Unleashed is worse. I think, uh, the... I don't know. I think the Lost World was worse. You think the Lost like, World's worse? So, yeah, I, I, well, yeah. yeah. And, and that was not a game I had a big problem with, but it was just like, it felt like I knew what that game was yeah. and like right from the start and it just kind of was going through the motions here. I felt like I was at least getting introduced to sort of characters and a story that I didn't really have any knowledge of because, you know, most of my experience with Sonic comes from him in the Genesis games. And like here I'm like, all right, I actually get to see how these cartoons are and how he interacts with the other characters. Like to me, if, you know, kids at the library still check out Sonic comics, And to me, like, if you were someone who was excited about Sonic and the other characters in his world, like, this is a game that 
would have more to offer than uh, Sonic Lost World, which to me feels like you should just play Mario 3D Land. That's fair. That's a fair hit. I mean, I, I could appreciate that there's more, at least a little bit more ambition going on in Sonic Boom. I just feel like the execution is so sloppy. And uh, uh, and again, just these voice clips are so maybe it's an improved experience. It's probably definitely an improved experience if you turn the volume off. Because <laughs> you can only hear, like, it's literally every single time you hit a bounce pad, they have to say, bounce pad. And it's like, yeah. we know. We know what this is. Like, we, we know what we're doing here. You, and and your posse, like, regardless of which character you're playing as, the other three characters are always sort of following behind you. Yeah. And they're just making general, like, jumping noises. Hoop, hoop, yeah. Hoop, like, the whole time. Which, yeah, again, like, there's a lot of sort of sounds and noise going on, like, I think that may be a thing in like focus group or um, focus group things is that people think that kids want noise to be occurring yeah. all the time. Like kids will lose interest unless somebody is making some kind of comment. And so they'll just kind of like recycle a bunch of voice clips. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's. I think kids can deal with a little bit of quiet once in a while. Like, they're not going to go insane and turn the game off, you know? And, uh, yeah, I think this just needed an extra layer of polish. And, again, I think we are playing the more polished version. I think they patched a lot of the more significant issues that were available at launch. But uh, a lot of this, the the hatred for this might be getting lumped in with the, the fact that it was a very unsuccessful game. I think this and the 3DS version combined sold less than 500,000 copies, which is really bad for a Sonic game. Uh, and it kind of made them go back to the drawing board with this character once again, you know? And I, I think well, I think Sonic Mania was the next one after this, which was mm-hmm. like a fan project that Sega just sort of adopted and made their own. Um, and and now it's like, you know, Sonic's still around, of course. There's Sonic Frontiers coming out pretty soon. I think that's going to be more of an open-world experience. And... Hopefully it'll build on some of the things here that work and then just sort of incorporate more of a, a signature Sonic feel to it. But, you know, there, there there has to be, like, more of a middle ground, I think, with this character because otherwise it is just getting, like, all right, let's do let's do an experimental game that doesn't connect. All right, let's go back to the original. Experimental <laughs> game doesn't connect, back to the original. But I don't know. Like, I, to me, I think they can be pretty happy and pretty amazed the Sega can that Sonic has had such a long lifespan and has been able to be so successful in so much different media. Um, You know, the the, sure Sonic the Hedgehog three movie will be a gigantic hit. Yeah. I mean, I Um, really uh, did not expect those to be as successful as they were, you know, and uh, they, they are massive, massive movies. And it's like this character still has a big, following despite the fact that like even his even his goodest games were uh, were a product of their time yeah it's really a sense of like this character came from a specific time um but there's clearly something about his design that just connects with people absolutely like that's that's great but i'm not sure that that's ever gonna translate into another great video game and so you know even though that's still i guess sonic's primary media is in video games like i i don't know if we're ever gonna see a a great sonic game again. it's true yeah yeah it's hard to say uh not without going back to the drawing board completely 
All right, well, let's move on to our rankings for these games. I think we're going to have uh, some pretty different rankings this time. I'm excited. I'm excited to see a little uh, a little variation. Um, yeah. So for me, I'll start us off this time. I think I did like Lost World a little bit better. Like, I, I agree it's a less ambitious project, but to me it was more enjoyable to play. Uh, you know, maybe it's just because they didn't have the annoying audio cues all the time and uh, uh, not as much uh, a technical failing. So I think I'm putting this at number 75, which is right above the Phineas and Ferb game. Uh, and Sonic Boom really did not work for me. I can respect some of the ideas, but at the end of the day, it just felt like a bad Ratchet and Clank to me. Uh, and so this is going at number 118. That's right above the SpongeBob game. Okay. Okay. Um... Yeah, I I mean, looking over my list here, like to put it bluntly, like my list is all messed up. <laughs> like obviously it's um the mood mood varies in each particular recording, you know, a lot depends on how I'm feeling yeah. on that particular day and so, you know, this end result is some things that kind of get shattered farther lower than they should. But um hey, it keeps things interesting. I, I, yeah, that's true. And Sonic Boom, The Rise of Lyric was a game that I found myself somewhat engaged by and felt like that it was like a fine six out of 10 experience. Um, And I was more, I felt more of a desire to go to bat for it once I realized how thrash it had been by the critics. Um, So I'm going to put it at number uh, 59, which is right behind the Scribblenauts game and ahead of a bunch of those Lego games. Um, and I liked it more than Sonic Lost World, which was to me a game that I could just mm, very much stop playing and never think of again. Um, but not a game I had a big problem with, um, which, so I'm going to put that at number 83, which is right ahead of the Legend of K game, another game that existed and I played. Um, but have no desire to go back. Yeah, to I it. couldn't tell you a single thing about that game. Wow, that that one's just completely out. <laughs> the of Legend my mind. of K just tumbled out of the brain. Yeah, oh no, more more than most on this show, I would say that one really <laughs> fell out of my brain. Uh, well, all right, we're getting a lot a lot of variance here. I like variance. I like it when we can mix things up, uh, you know, and uh, uh, not strictly agree on every one of these, even though you're wrong. Yeah. Damn it, wrong, wrong. <laughs> I mean, it, I, I probably am. No. I think that if there's one thing I have learned over the course of my life, it's that I'm usually wrong. <laughs> but, uh, you know, that's why I have a podcast. But it counters me out because I'm also usually wrong. So, you know, one of us has oh, got to be right by, by uh, you know, the rule of transference or something. I don't know. Sure, sure. Let's keep thinking yeah, that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, be sure to check out patreon.com slash ultra64pod. Our very last episode went up this week. Uh, we concluded our series about Metal Gear but just because there aren't new episodes coming out, there are still a uh, hundred, a hundred plus episodes of bonus content on there. It's all going to be nothing but five dollars for uh, uh, from now on. So uh, definitely check that out. Tell your friends about that if you enjoy this show, and be sure to tune in next week where we've got a big one. We are going to be talking about the Legend of Zelda Wind Waker HD, uh, the re-released version of what some consider one of the best uh, Zelda games. It was certainly one of my favorites, and I'm a little nervous to revisit it because I'm worried it has not aged as well as I would like. But, okay, uh, interesting. Like, this this game I remember being irritated by. Okay. 
And so we will hopefully it will have aged better. For we me. shall see. That's, we shall see. Yeah. All right. I, 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 I hope I hope for my own safety on the Internet, I can rate it higher than Sonic Boom. <laughs> the Rise of the <laughs> I would hope so. I would hope so. We'll find out, though. All right, everybody. Well, we will see you next time for a little Wind Waker. Bye bye.